not to say that they showed me my place, but they was like, hey, you know, pretty much this is what you are. This is who you are, you know, and it and it kind of didn't really dawn on me because at that age, you really don't understand. But what really made me uh, kind of understand the difference in people is when I, uh, I remember as a kid, I went to San Antonio and I don't talk about it much, but I talked, I told Lane about it. And a couple of kids pretty much jumped me and beat me up in the pool, you know, and they was calling me pretty much the N-word the whole time. And I didn't understand, you know, I was like, you know, I thought we was all people, but it was like, you know, I started learning that people didn't see me as a person. They saw me as something else. And it just kind of continued on from there, you know, from, you know, just getting pulled over by police. Just like with the George Floyd situation, it didn't really catch me off guard, but it did bother me because I saw myself in that predicament because there's been many a times I've gotten pulled over and that could have been me just that easy, you know. So it, it's it's been up it's been an uphill battle for me, you know, and I'm kind of like Zuri said, you, you learn to pick your battles. My daddy always taught me that, too. He always said, Junior, you got to learn to pick your battles. And through life, I've always had to pick my battles. I've always hid, hid myself a better words behind, you know, a smile or whatever, just to kind of be passive. But you know, you got to kind of be that way, you know, just because people take you a wrong way without even knowing you. But, you know, I don't want to ramble too much because I can kind of go on about that. <laughs> That's the reason we're here. Thank you for sharing. It's, I don't want it, you to have to talk about it if you don't want to. Oh, no, just, no. Like, this is what we, what we want to hear. And, well, not what we want to hear, but what we want to know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting in all honesty because uh, I've had a couple of conversations lately, especially dealing with, you know, what's going on and what people seeing on the news and the perspective that people have of black people in general. And I have to tell them, hey, man, what you see on TV is not who we are. You know, that's an image that that was put out there, a negative image that I don't agree with. I've never really saw that in my own people. Not to say that there's not negative black people because it is. But that's in any race, you know, no matter where you go, you know, it's, it's, it's negative people, you know, white, black, Hispanic, it don't matter. But for some odd reason, I, I personally feel like, you know, the black image is put out there in such a negative way. And I don't understand why, you know, when I didn't see that growing up, you know, so. But that's just my my two cents right now. <laughs> yeah. And when you mentioned things that are on TV, did you mean like uh, media in politics? Did you mean like movies and TV? All of it? Kind of what perspective were you taking? Uh, I, for me, I would say all of it because it, like Lane and I, uh, I, I call us the kids of the 90s. We we grew up to that whole 90 era. And, and it really didn't dawn on me to maybe a little bit after the George Floyd situation, how how black yeah. people were portrayed in movies like you got movies like new jack city and boys, boys in the hood. hood and and when you really sit back and i'm in my 40s now and when i sit back and look at those movies now it's like man that's that's such a, a negative image of yeah. who we are you know that's this is crazy we all didn't grow up in the hood we all didn't sell dope i mean that's that's dumb you know but that was the images put out there and it, it, it showed through hip-hop it shows through hip-hop now you know that's something that was created that does not who black people are. <laughs> There's just the image just put out there. And I and you know, I'm it's kinda interesting to see that I guess a lot of people are woke for better words now. <laughs> and they're kinda they're kinda questioning what they see now on T V and media, even with politics. You know, you kinda question stuff like, hey, why is it so many people incarcerated that are black or Hispanic or why you know, why this and why that? Why why is this systemic racism? Why do you have areas that's called the hood? which any area can be considered the hood if you take resources out, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. I, I can go down, <laughs> you know, but I'll be quiet for a minute. It's actually kind of fascinating because uh, Alana gave me an article um, and uh, which was, I mean, I guess it, it put together a bunch of pieces for me uh, of tracing you know, all the systematic racism and the racism you see today, all the way back to slavery. Right. And, and basically, the point of the article was that even when the slavery ended, it didn't end. Nope. We just renamed it. We just mm -hmm. repackaged it and kept it going. And then, you know, periodically at various times, and I guess my time in the 1960s, so. You know, there was a lot of talk. We we made some changes. We did some things, but 
basically we just repackaged it and it kept going, kept it going. <laughs> right so it, 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 that, i guess the historic origins make it really hard to um, as with any problem the longer it's been going the more difficult it becomes i also well, think that it's um the issue with it's not an issue with berlin it's just that berlin it's not a lot of black people here. So if you're in a school, like if I was to send, if I was growing up here and I sent my kids to school, well, I homeschooled them, but if I was to send them to school, then of course they would come home with some stories, but it's not a lot to compare it to. It's not enough going through something of the same thing. So with Berlin, um, what we may be going through, someone that was here longer or someone just coming in, may go through something a little bit different. So when we got here, we made sure that we dove into a lot of things. Like I'm on the city um, planning board. So I dove into that and then I ran for, you know, one of the seats, but we did a lot of things just so that image that media plays for black people to not ha have a fact behind it because it's not true. Most of it's not true. So we just kind of, befriended a lot of people so that it's not looked at so they were not looked at as threats pretty much so if someone comes in that's of color that's black and and they don't do what we did of course they're going to go through a different experience because no one knows them they didn't get out and talk to them go into the community so yeah. it's it's just different um our experience may be entirely different from someone else all of our experiences are different and uh in, in all sorts of different ways. Here's a difficult question to ask. I don't quite know how to ask it, but I really, I, you know, I respect what you did when you came into the community. But did you feel you you were doing it because you really wanted to do it? It was just the kind of person you were, or did you, was part of the motivation for doing it simply because you didn't want people looking at you in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I did it per because I never could do it. And in the South, well, in Texas, um, they pretty much, you, you can feel it. It cuts with a knife. You can feel the tension. You know that they don't like you because you're you. But here, when everyone showed how warming and invite, it was it was entirely different. So it made me open up a little bit more to get out there. Um, I felt it a little more acceptance than I did back home. So it's something that um, kind of it was a release versus I, this is my personality. I'm a friendly person, but I cannot not be this friendly in Texas like this because it would be shot down. And I, I guess for me, it's different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, it was more of a, I guess, like, once again, I hate to say it like this. It's more of a defense type of deal for me. Like me, it was more of a protection for my family and me. So it was like, hey, let me let me put myself out there. Not because I really want to. Because I'm a, my, anybody that knows, my, my wife would tell you, I'm really a closed person. And that's just because the way I was, not necessarily the way I was brought up, just because my interactions with people just have made me just be real closed off, you know? And it's more of a, I guess, a defense mechanism than anything, which I'm working on that. But when we moved up here, I kind of, I, I wanted to be open, but I was still leery because I didn't know what I was walking into. I knew this is the predominantly Caucasian area. I mean, I'm coming from the South and North, far North, and I knew nothing about it. Then when we pulled up through the mountains, I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's number white people up here. <laughs> but... In saying that, you know, it, it, it was, I guess it was more of one of those things that I felt like I had to do in order to kind of keep down confusion. Wash it in the sink? <laughs> so for you, it was a really intentional decision. Yeah, it was an intentional decision. It was, I feel like it's something I had to do. And, it, and it's been like that even when we were in Texas, you know, I've never let that down. We, because we've always, even though we grew up in a certain side of town, we moved to a, a different side of town for our kids' sake. And even then, I was always on the guard because, I knew how people viewed me, you know, or how they viewed my family, regardless if they sat down and take the time to know us or not. Because a lot of times people don't sit down to have these conversations. They don't care to know us as the straight hands. They, the only thing they say is, okay, well, he's a black male. Well, 
I assume this or that, or she's a black female, well, we assume this or that. And I never wanted that image coming up here. I, I, some of the reason we left the South was to kind of get away from that. So. Have you, since you've been here, had experiences of racism? I have. Uh, I don't know about my wife so much, but I, I have twice. Mine, not as much. It's not um, nearly like it was in Texas, so no, not yeah. as much. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's to that degree like it is in the South, but uh, uh, I... Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, after George Floyd, yes. Before George Floyd, no. Um, we took the kids to protest um, peacefully around the corner here in Gorham, and, you know, they... They were yelling and screaming, you know, white lives matter and and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, it wasn't like that until after George Floyd to where it became a little tense around here. So for me. Well, mine was way yeah, before his that. His was before. <laughs> mine was uh, way before that. Uh, one, ex one ex well, it was two actually, actually two experiences. One uh, experience, I... I don't think the guy necessarily said what he said on purpose. I think they were just having a conversation and I saw happened to be in the area. Uh, and it was at actually at Duncan's and some guys, some gentlemen were having a conversation about sports, I think. And one of them was like, yeah, you know, that, that big N word over there, you know, he ought to play for this team. And one of the guys, I guess, was looking at me and he kind of saw the look on my face and I didn't react back. I, got, I just kind of walked off, you know, and I didn't pay it any mind. You know, and somebody asked me, they was like, hey, man, why didn't you say anything? I was like, for what? Why well, am I give him what he think I am already? So, you know, there's no point in reacting to it. It goes back to, like Zuri said again, you pick your battles. You know, and I had another encounter uh, at, uh, I about to say Circle K. What's this, the Irvin? <laughs> Irvin. <laughs> at Irvin, you know, because uh, we used to do food up here for a little bit uh, at the farmer's markets. And there was a guy that uh, worked at the register. He knew us. And he said, hey, man, y'all going to still do food again? And I was like, man, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about just not doing it anymore. He's like, man, y'all food is good. And there was a young guy behind me, and he pretty much said, well, that's what they're good for. And to be honest, it took everything in my power not to knock his teeth down his throat. Yeah. And, you know, and I walked out the store, and, and same thing. Hey, man, why you ain't saying that? And I was like, dude, I have to learn to pick my battles because I know I, I'm outnumbered up here. You know, if I, if I was to knock him on his ass, I hate to say it like that, but if I did, it could have turned into something different. And I have to think about my family first, more about yeah. more than what how I feel at the time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But that, that you know, <laughs> just yeah, call me. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come down, <laughs> Zuri. I remember you saying when we talked that. You know, you've been in the community for a long time, and uh, so do you find any tension or any, you know, examples of being treated racially? Um, I play a lot of sports still, and being out, that's how I met Kendall and Lane. We met playing different sports and stuff. And I got to say, the first night I walked in to play cornhole, both of their faces were like, oh. <laughs> 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 but everybody in there already knew me, and it so it hasn't happened in a long time, but I do remember being attacked when I was a kid. And it was horrible because I was attacked by a grown adult, told I would be tarred and feathered and sent back to where I was Jeez. from. And uh, I was I was devastated. And my stepfather at the time came and, and the man they took out in a stretcher. It was very bad, right on Pleasant Street. But since then, no, I haven't had any. When I go out of town, I do. My boyfriend is white as a sheet. So to see us together, you always get a double take, sometimes a triple take, unless it's an older person. And, and I mean, over 75 to 80, they stare. Because mm -hmm. in their mind, there's no reason why we should be together. Right. Because we're of two different, totally different cultures. Yep. 
and and I've told him that will happen in. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <Okay. laughs> yeah, he, Gotta have that conversation. <laughs> and I and I tried to explain, but it, until he actually sees it, he doesn't understand it either. Because he grew up in the city. He's from Woburn, Mass, where everybody is always different. One of his best friends was in the sixties and seventies. They called of good color. So he is light complexioned, like my son, but a black man. Hmm. So he has the good complexion. So oh, you wouldn't be able to tell that's what he was. So to him, everybody is just a person. And that's how my mother raised us after my father passed when I was a kid. Everybody has their own thing. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, green, gray, gay, straight. It, you're a person. It's how you treat people. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's how I raise my son, because his father also is as white as a sheet. So he does it. I'm like, no, don't, because he'll compare skin after about June. Dad, you're not catching up. Well, your father's probably not going to catch up. And I try to tell him these things and he gets it. He understands, but he still has his... Little, but most of his friends, he hasn't had many problems at school, but he has been harassed two or three times. Like I said, about that seventh to ninth grade level. And it was, okay, do I have to go to school? Because it's been a long time, but most of the people that are at school now were in school with me. So if I'm coming to school, they know there's a problem. And I haven't had to go yet. He went and straightened it out himself, and the kid got suspended and disciplined. And I'm like, okay, this is what you need to do. So I'm trying to teach him how to deal with it when it does occur. But he hasn't had many experiences either. So I'm confused. If I can straighten my own brain out, is is your husband white or is he black? My boyfriend is white, very white. Yeah. No, and and you mentioned that. I, I mean, I've seen it growing up actually here during the summer because there was a, a family here whose daughter I knew all the way through my childhood and they were very lily white. He was a minister and she married a black man and her parents never accepted him. And it, it just, and they, they got that treatment, you know, of people, you know, What's what's wrong with this picture? Why are those two together? And, and, and eventually, it tore their marriage apart, and they got divorced. And it's yeah, um, it's really ugly. Obviously, yeah. When my father passed, my grandfather actually sat outside the house in his car for two years when they would come to visit my mother, out of respect because my grandfather was a racist. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and and he would not enter the house because it was a disrespectful thing to the dead. Hmm. Ken, have you got any questions? I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I'm, 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 I, I talk too much too. In case you haven't figured this one out. <laughs> well, as a healthcare administrator, I'm, I'm just curious about your experiences and your family's experiences with the healthcare system whether it's here in Berlin or Gorham or elsewhere, but just, just what it's like as a person of color to, uh, to, to interface with uh, the healthcare system. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I've had to go to the doctor a couple of times here just because uh, I had to have, I actually had back surgery up here. Uh, my L5S1 had to get a spinal infusion, uh, which was actually okay. Uh, but far as me having a, a primary, primary doctor, I, I've just been leery on picking one in all honesty, because I'm trying to find somebody that I think will understand, you know, I guess me or where I come from. And, you know, it's it just being a, a black male and, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard up here. I'm just going to be honest. It is, you know, because I mean, even dealing with my, my back issues, the doctors that I did go to, 
they were nice. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they fully understand because a lot of people see me and my size and they're like, oh, you know, you're okay. And I'm like, dude, my back is really jacked up. I just, I hide it good, you know, but you know, for me, it's just been hard. You know, I don't, my wife, I really can't say. I'm going to be honest. I, I go to Texas a lot. Um, and I go back home to see my regular doctor once a year when I do go. We've been here four years and we have yet to see yeah. a doctor. I mean, I've yeah. seen one. Well, I fell and, and except, for, except for the concussion that I received and, and went to the ER here. But as far as that, I don't, we don't have primary care physicians. We should, um, but I'm not a fan of the, the healthcare system. Um, just we, in general, <laughs> just in general, we practice holistic health care and with with my with Native American and with my grandmother taught me. So that's pretty much what we do. Um, the only reason he went to the doctor is because he had to have surgery. We just we don't know. We don't have a lot of experience. Now we hear stories back home about family members and what they go through with the health care system. But as far as us and our household, we I can't ex, I can't say that we experience anything with that system because we don't really go really unless, go unless, it's, unless you know. it's in serious dire need. But we'll practice complete alternative health care first. Well, I think a lot of people uh, have a similar, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if distrust is quite the right word, but uh, they're not, for all kinds of reasons, just, you know, avoiding uh, the, the sort of healthcare system that we have today. Um, Zuri, I'm, I'm curious about your experience, too. Zuri, are you there? Did she freeze? She might be she froze. froze. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, froze. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is she sitting there looking mad? Like food at the farmer's market and you have a little downtown did you used to own the women's gym yes yes we had to close it due to covid yeah i so i um am employed by the enriched learning center jim cochran is my boss. oh okay <laughs> so excited about you guys moving into town he was like they came in they bought businesses Oh, she's back. There she go. Oh, go ahead. They want your organs. No. They want your organs, Zuri. Yeah. They, they took some things like, too out. Late. They replaced some things. But I haven't had real problems. My son is very asthmatic, so I go when I have to. But other than that, and even at that time, some of the questions that I get, they always go through like the pre-screening. And I notice that one thing is not on there. And it asks, um, I, I've only been asked once about sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. since I've ever gone and never been asked again. Well, I don't know if that's something that's in my blood or not in my blood per se. So I don't know if it's something that he needs to be tested. But I, yeah, I've had quite a bit of, I'm a little physical at sports. <laughs> so I've had lots and lots of surgeries. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Nine, let's see, that would take care of your lung, your heart, your liver. What's left? 
your knee, your stomach, yeah, your shoulder, your hand. Can is there any, any? I don't want to cut in. Is there anything else? Well, I, I'll, I'll flip back over to Atlanta because I know Atlanta. You were about to ask a second question, so uh, I'll let you do that. Yeah, it was truly a piggyback off of what you were asking in terms of, you know, we talked about individual acts of discrimination, and I'm curious about the institutionalized side of racism. Um, you know, we, we mentioned healthcare, and you had mentioned at the beginning of the conversation about schools that are zoned in predominantly black neighborhoods tend to have less resources and things like that, um, and particularly up here, uh, have you all noticed or have you felt like there are inequalities in the systems um, in healthcare, school, the city government, uh, whatever other things? That's really like it's school just, is hard to say because our kids, kids have been homeschooled. homeschooled. Uh, far yeah. as the uh, government the go- itself, uh, it's. I think it's different here. I think the system, okay, so when we dis, we just had this discussion yesterday about systematic racism as far as um, father and household. Here, it seems that the men actually get custody of the children here, which is unheard of in the South and where we're from in Texas. Um, we, we know that the, the system does not work. I can, I'll just go based on my experience. I had my first child, our first child at 18. My mom told me to drop out. I was in my last senior year of high school, getting ready to graduate. And she told me, well, you have to quit school, get on welfare and file child support. So the system, in order for me to get ahead or to get anything in Texas, I would have to Get on welfare and then kick the man out of the house. So I am an anomaly, meaning that I didn't listen to any of those. It was crazy rules. But um, most of everybody I know that I grew up with did exactly that. They dropped out of school, got on welfare so they, they can supply for their children and then made sure the man is not in the household, meaning that... Um, our first apartment, I was on like a HUD because I was so young, but I, I finished school. But with HUD, he wasn't allowed to be in the house or I wouldn't have that. Well, you know, I was blessed enough that the lady in the office really liked me and didn't care. And so he was able to. But that's not. Yeah, we had to hide our marriage too. Yeah, we had while. to hide our marriage for a while. You couldn't put it on paper. You couldn't put it on paper. So it's it's a very deep rooted system that's broken and a problem amongst young black people in Texas that I do know of. That's experience. It's really the South. It's it is the South. <laughs> it, pretty much, yeah, it's happening now. I mean, they can't they can't get any assistance. You can't get on food. If you're going through hard times, you cannot get food, Medicaid, or anything like that if the if the husband is involved in the household. Wow. So that's different here because I see a lot of men step up here and it was kind of weird. Like this man has custody of their chip. You know, that was a culture shock to me because, you know, they don't do that in Texas. Yeah, they won't let the guys. The no guys matter cannot, how no matter how much type yeah. of job they have, no matter how hard they fight, it's 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 weird. So yeah, that was a culture shock to see yeah. that for me as well. I was like, man, that's that's crazy, you know. Not in a bad way, but you know, just that was mind blowing because it's like, man, that means something is wrong here in the system. If that that can happen, because <laughs> I know plenty of guys that want to be involved with their kids, but the they way can. the system is designed down south, I mean, I have a brother that's dealing with it. You know, they they pretty much shun the man, and then they slap child support on them, and if you don't pay, you go to jail. Yeah. So even if he, if I was to ever file child support when he when we were younger, and he went to work, and the the judge says, "Oh, you have to pay eight hundred dollars a month for one child." How is that even remotely possible when he can't live and he has to pay his own rent? Plus, my it was it would have been like really crazy and you cannot get ahead that way. But that's one of those systems that's broken to keep the black man out of the house right. to raise their children. And that's kind of that. I mean, that kind of goes back to us to say with the stuff that you see in the media, 
like when it devolves, I guess, black families or black people in general, that's why you see those things because of the system is set up like that. And people think, well, they just lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to take care of their families. And I actually had the same conversation up here with a, a guy. And I told him, I said, I said, look at it like like Berlin. I said, you know, Berlin had the mill from my understanding back in the day. And when the mill left, it took the jobs with it. You know, yes, it's still moving now, but you know, a lot of people can't go there and work. That's the same thing down south. In those predominantly black communities, when you take the resources out, that man has no way to work to take care of his family. It's not that he doesn't want to work. He don't have the resources to. And if he tries to go out of that community, it's hard to get those jobs. You know, so what do you leave them with? You kind of leave them in a bad situation. Not say anybody can fall into that. That's why I don't believe in ghettos or just or, or hoods, as they say, are just black communities. That can happen anywhere. You take the resources out, people starve. They get into survival mode. You do what you got to do to live. You know, it don't make it right, but it happens. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for explaining that. And here it's, I've definitely worked with the child welfare system through my job and it's, they tend, they do favor the woman, but there are a lot of situations in which men have custody of, of children up here. And I didn't know it was so starkly different down South. Yeah. It's other, other examples in, in your lives right here, I mean, Ken, Ken asked about the healthcare system um, and, and the school system and you, you, you homeschool your kids and we, we know about Zuri's son, but in, you know, just in other aspects of your life, going to Walmart, going into stores, is there a sense of that systematic racism in that part of your life too? Uh, not necessarily. I wouldn't not say from here. employees, not so much here. I've experienced more stuff back home. Uh you know, so I've, I've I've been in situations to where I've you know been in the store with my kids, and I've had you no know, a, a, a white lady walk by me. And I'm trying to choose my words, but they would clutch their purse or kind of you know cringe at me, and I'm like, dude, I don't want anything you got. <laughs> I probably got more money on me than you have anyway. So, but you know, I I've, I've experienced those things, or you know, it's even with, uh, with my cops, wife, yeah. uh, even with the cops. I bought my wife a car a couple of years back. It was a Chrysler 300, and it. It it had it had twenty two inch rims on it. I don't it know came why. with we the have rims. Twenty two inch rims in Texas <laughs> with but, all that bling, but, and that's why I got stopped. Yeah, so many she got times. stopped a lot of times. But at the time, it was it kind of made me mad because they would question her like, "What does your husband do?" I was a machinist at the time, so I made you know seventy three a year. Plus, on top of that, we had a commercial cleaning business, so we was clean, clearing over six figures. So I was like, "Dude, I, I worked hard to get this for my wife. You know, I don't sell dope. I don't." do these things you think I do to provide this for my family, you know? And I was always looked at like that. People didn't know what I did for a living. They was like, oh, well, you just probably sell dope. No, dude, I, I work and I have a business. <laughs> and, that, and that was one of the first questions that were oh, asked yeah. when we first got here. We yeah, bought a Hummer yeah. and we drove here and the first question was, well, what do your husband do? Does he work at the prison? Now, mind you, we didn't even know a, a prison existed Til here we until up, we yeah. moved here. And, they said, and we said, no. Well, they was like, well, does he sell dope? So the second question is always going to be for him: Do does he sell? Everyone's wondering what we do. Oh, and that's all the work. kids' mind yeah. too. They love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another all, question. All four of those. All your four kids? of your kids. Yes. Yours, and that's one of those <laughs> <laughs> questions. Yeah, my wife's is middle school. These yeah. are all my kids <laughs> that we get asked, and um, we've had a lot of experiences that was harsh in Texas. I, there's one which. Um, I, I drove home from a youth conference and my vehicle was still warm. So it was a cop that knocked on the door and we look outside and it's like a SWAT team with all their guns drawn on us and said that my vehicle fit the description of a hit and run, which we were terrified to move. And just like that, they were like, well, no, um, you know, they, they found the person and they all left. No, sorry. Or you know, I had to get, like, help for that. That was yeah. traumatic for and me I, and the kids. Yeah, the, my son still remember that, too. And it still bothers them to that to this day when that, about that. Because my son can still recall everything by seeing the cops in the backyard. That was a lot and of cops I remember with he, guns drawn. Yeah, he ran out the back room, and I grabbed him because I didn't know if they was going to shoot or not. You know, you don't know, you know. And it wasn't, you know, that's why. And, and that's another thing, too. I think a lot of people kind of misunderstand when they see that when the George Floyd situation kicked off, a lot of people was like, oh, this is just happening. I was like, dude, no, this has been happening for years. 
Yep. It, the, yep. the only difference is now is that media is so broad to where a lot of stuff is getting caught on camera now versus back in the day, a lot of stuff didn't get seen. I can imagine the 60s and the 70s, even farther back than that, things that happened that we don't know about that's never been brought to light and they probably never will, but this has been going on for years. This, you know, it's one it, of the interesting, uh, you know, benefits of, uh, of technology. You right. Know, <laughs> cell phone now. Right. You can't escape. And no where you are, somebody's got a cell phone. Somebody see it. You're on, you're on, you're on the camera. The, um, so. Gary, I'm just curious about if you had an answer to uh, the guy's question about in the broader sort of, you know, daily living with the encounter. Uh, you know, sort of elements of systemic racism, whether it's at work or in banking or in, uh, you know, any other well, class I think of it the mail, but you It's know. usually pretty interesting yeah. when I go I into think, court. I don't know. Because I also prosecute for the bank. So when I go into court, I walk into the courthouse and have to go through it. And anybody that sees me in there that kind of knows me or thinks they have an idea, their first question is, what did you do? Oh man! <laughs> and, and I love it because it, I I do I I'm loud. I go out. I I do a lot of crazy things that aren't illegal. But it's always, what'd you do? What What did you get in trouble for? And then when I tell them I'm here to prosecute, their face always drops. They're like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean. Kendall and Lane were here for what a year before we met, before you guys started playing sports and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they lived around the corner from me, like in the same neighborhood. And my son came home and said, Mom, there's more black people. <laughs> really? Yeah, I saw the kids. They're, playing. They're down the street. And they said, Okay, well, go play. So he did in in stuff, but they he came home and he was like, That was fun. Yeah, we had a good time. I said, okay. But for him, it was oh, somebody else other than mom. <laughs> I mean, we go out. We have a good time. He he knows them. He knows their kids. He, you know, we, we do have fun when we go out. But to walk into a store, it's almost nerve-wracking because you do i myself i watch for the older people the older women that are by themselves because they are startled i go in and i'm a whirlwind i go to the pet food i go to here i go to there and get what i need and i'm out the door but if i walk by someone too quick that is a senior or a child a, a small child that will be in the toy department the parent immediately grabs their arm yeah. I don't want your kid. Right. I, I have enough. I'm, I'm good. Come on. <laughs> but I've seen that, or, or like Kendall said earlier, the the older woman that clutches her purse a little bit tighter. Yeah. I, I work for my money. I don't want your kid. I, I just got to get my stuff, and I really don't want to be here. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it does happen. It still happens today. Yeah. yeah. And, and, then, like, and, and and Kendall, are, uh, are you children still in the community or live around here yes well yeah the boys followed us through uh like we weren't here four months and they called us to pick them up from the airport because they didn't want to live without Stay in us. texas <laughs> <laughs> so they're here uh our oldest have a home he bought a house in gorham and the youngest one uh he lives in that burt Bartlett School apartment building. Yeah. Um, Kayla, she's 18. She We just sent her to college at um, yes, UNH. And then Lauren is our 15-year-old who's still home homeschooled. Now, the girls were very involved um, with the dance group here, um, yeah. Miss Heather's Dance Company, until, yeah. you know, until COVID. But they were, they did a lot. Lauren, she still holds the record here in Berlin. Um for for javelin she for what is it 72 feet um that she throws so she still holds that record until sports start again um but there we made that we made sure that they get involved with stuff especially the girls yeah but the boys have experienced stuff yeah. my, my oldest has yes. he's experienced a couple of things i mean he's recently just told me a couple of uh, experiences that he's had not necessarily in, i think he had a couple in berlin and uh, and I think he had some in North Conway, some a couple of experiences, you know. And and if you see my oldest son, he he's like he he's 
I think he's like born in the wrong time yeah, zone. He, he thinks he's like he's Frank, Frank Sinatra, Sinatra uh, so he dresses, Davis Jr. Yeah, he so dresses that way yeah. every day um, in a suit and tie, and this is just how he looks. And yeah. that kid didn't know he was black until he was eight years old. So yeah, pretty much. I don't. I don't. He's a different kind of kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah. Recently, now he's I'm been. More power to it. Yeah, yeah. More power to it. And recently, I think it's because, well, I know that when he, he dates, he's getting ready to marry his girlfriend who's Canadian. So she's white and she comes, but he noticed the stuff that happens when they're together, which um, yeah. I don't think we've ever. No, he said he's, he's, yeah. he, he's, he starts, to, he's recalling now a lot of stuff from his childhood now that he's understanding that oh, he, he saw it back then. He kind of. I guess played it off, and like now he understands what he was seeing, especially now with his new fiance. You know, he yep. he, it's a lot of things that he sits down and asks me about, and I'm like, hey, son, this is, it's kind of what it is. You know, you know the the young lady, she's real nice, you know, but I was like, hey, this world is not ready to accept certain things, no matter how bad we want certain stuff to change. Everybody's not gonna see y'all as two people. They're gonna see black and they're gonna see white, and that's just it. You know, and he's having a hard time with it. His girlfriend more than him because uh, she struggles with it. She don't understand. You know, she's like, I don't get it. You know, and he's trying to explain it to her. But she's like, no, I still don't get it. Even when they went to Texas, she yeah, really she didn't just, understand. She don't get it. <laughs> that was an eye opener <laughs> for her. But, yeah. I, you know, and I guess that's part of why we we wanted to have this conversation. Because, I mean, you know, we want to get it, but we don't get it. And, sure. you know, we don't. It's trying to understand something that. It's just completely foreign, right? Right. To 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 our experiences, uh, and uh, so and I just I, I just didn't think of the Zuri in laying the comment you made earlier about education being so important. And I remember a time when I had Sean in class and. And I think some kids uh, started hauling off, talking about about black people, less than uh, stellar terms, and we're, we're just downright derogatory. And I stopped them and said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. You're shot. What? What's different?" I said, "Oh, he's different. We know him." And uh, you know, again, you're educated if you know people changes the uh, situation. So. Right. And I've always believed that this starts at home. Um, yep. In the home, if they're taught a certain way, then then this is how they'll become until you see a lot of other kids like on TikTok or Snapchat, mm-hmm. re, you know, rebuttaling back to their parents because now they see that their parents are wrong. So now you have kids trying to educate the parents that, hey, not all black people are like this. But I personally don't think that it will ever change in a way that we would want because we will always have media. And if we will, and if media progresses and progress the way that it's going, then they're going to view us the way they view us. And kids will just, it will just keep going and it, it will keep going. But then you have this revolution of younger kids, like my daughter's age group, that were marching with um, Black Lives Matter and everything, and they see it different. So it's a little bit of hope that that generation will help turn it around. But at the same time, they're still being educated through media. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, that's where the hope lies, the hope lies with young people. And uh, uh, hopefully they keep the strength, the power that they have now as they grow up. So, right. Mm-hmm. We've been going for about an hour. And uh, uh, I guess, Ken, wanted, you want to sort of say anything in closing? Yeah, I want to say thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you all and to meet you, virtually meet you. And I'm sure I'll see you sometime in the community and I'll say hello when I see you in person. Um, But thank you so much for having this conversation with us and for taking an hour out of your day to do so. It's, uh, for me, been really enlightening and helpful um, to understand a little bit more of 
the experiences that you have. No problem. If you guys need to, um, because it's such a broad spectrum and questions yeah. can pop up in the middle of the night, you can always email us. We'll gladly just answer whatever. That, that was going to be my concluding statement. Yeah, I just want to echo Alana's comments and say thanks to you all for your time tonight. Uh, it has been really enlightening. And uh, as Guy alluded to, we're, you know, our board of directors uh, that are sort of my boss and, uh, and that really are the owners of the organization uh, are really determined to, to try to use the influence that we have as a small group to, um, I think as much as anything, to have a conversation, uh, to stimulate a conversation in the community about this issue. And, uh, and so we've reached out to the local hospital and to the schools and to other institutions in the city to, to really think about um, some kind of conversation, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a series of community conversations or it's, um, uh, you know, a series of films that uh, could explore this topic with a conversation that might follow after or reading a book together as a community that talk about these issues, but, but really just, and really not just doing this for, you know, kind of the flavor of the month, but really to think about this on a long-term basis about how can we address this issue that's plagued this country for so long and make it different for our kids and our grandkids. And so, um, you know, I think this is one part of a much larger uh, conversation and process that we want to engage in. And uh, as Alana mentioned, we've reached out to some consultants and we're thinking about them helping us to try to have some of this conversation or activity that I mentioned. And so would welcome you to be a part of that process uh, or those, those, you know, sharing of ideas about how we can address this issue and, and would invite you to uh, invite anybody else, regardless of their color, uh, to be a part of this because that, that's how we make the change. So, so if it's okay, we'd like to keep in touch and uh, let you know what's going on and invite you to be a part of the planning process. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You have to reach me. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to let this drop. I will keep back in touch with all of you. And uh, it, it, we don't even know where we're going. <clears throat> we're, we're trying to be with these consultants, and then you know, we're battling uh, not not we alone, but the whole, all healthcare centers and most organizations. The government we've now been told by the administration that we can't talk about this kind of stuff because we receive federal money, and since we can't. Right. Since we receive federal money, we can't, can't talk about it, right? Yeah. You guys heard about that, that executive order? Yeah, the executive order, right. So, and, and you know, the, the, our, the, our sort of mothership agency, Ken shared a letter with us today that they sent out and made public uh, protesting, you know, the gag order. And basically, you can't do that. That's, and, um, so and it's our intent to figure out a way around this. Right. And I mean, and, it, and you have to have these conversations like this, too. Uh, I, I mean, I, just recently, I've been a believer in that, too, that, you know, you have to have people from all cultures, I guess, sit down and, and talk because that's a, in all honesty, that's the only way this can be fixed. And I'm kind of like my wife. It's not going to be an overnight fix. But when more people talk about both sides of the tracks or better words, you have a better understanding of where everybody comes from versus what people tell us that I'm not people, but what media and everything else tell us that other cultures are. You know, this is how you get to understand and say, hey, I understand where they come from. I might not get it, but at least I, I, I can kind of sim somewhat sympathize and get a somewhat understanding, you know. And I, well, my problem is that, you know, my mouth or my eyes or it was bigger than my stomach or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I, and I think the problem we had in the 19, 1960s is that, you know, we wanted to solve the problem then and there. Right. have it all done. And uh, I, you know, I have the same same desire now. It's going to be some big step we can take or something. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to be the answer. No. Uh, 
somehow to reach the young people and help them channel their energy into we'll be gone by the time they succeed in doing that. Right. Yeah, but definitely having a community discussion um, is is the key. With young people, with kids that go to school, they have to um, understand or not have to, but they it, it won't it's we have to live in this community. We don't want to move. We don't want to go anywhere. But it will make it very hard if people do not understand where we're coming from and just judge us automatically. It's not a comfortable place. We left Texas and to away from that to be here so we didn't have to deal with it. But community efforts is definitely a must. Um, that's the only way it can really get resolved. Well, let's just say, as Ken said, we'll be back. <laughs> you're, you're in the, you're in the army now. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna get rid of us. <laughs> so, but I want to I want to close Zuri with the, one of my favorite stories about prejudice and racism. Well, it's not racism, but because you you maybe think of this the story of your grandfather. The uh, my my first wife was Jewish, and she went to college in three years by going to school in Florida during the summer. And she developed a very close friendship with a, a woman down there at Florida Central University. And the Kilgores would sort of take Debbie in during the summer. And one time they invited Debbie to come along that they were going to take her to visit Trisha's grandfather, their the wife's father and so as they were headed up towards northern florida from the orlando area trisha turned to debbie and said debbie one thing before you meet my grandfather don't tell him who you are and debbie looked at trisha and said you mean the fact that i'm jewish and Trisha immediately shot back, no, that you're from the north. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that guy's still fighting the Civil War. I ah, yeah. So anyway, thank you again, all of you so much. Zuri, it's always a pleasure to see you again, Lane and the Lieutenant to meet you. And, uh, nice um, to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yep, we shall return. And everybody have a wonderful evening. You too. Have a wonderful evening. Bye, yeah, guys. Night. Night. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't like the way the candle smells. It smells like fall. Oh, it did. It smells like pee. Can you smell it? No, honey. I don't smell it. Maybe it's this candle kind of mix of something. It's probably mixed so with the salt or something. Oh, yeah. It was a weird smell. I was like, what the heck was that? Oh, that's it. That's what it was. Oh, that is horrible. I thought the cat peed on the table. That stink. Don't like, don't like that again. <laughs> I spent eight dollars. Don't do that again. That was a, that, that was, was the worst time eight. burning it. Ooh, I was like, what am I smelling? Mm. I was like, damn. I like it though. I was like, did the cat pee on my clothes on the floors? I was that go, do smell like pee. It smell like cat pee. What a waste of money. They ruined that scent. Salted caramel don't smell like that. Oh, smell. salted pumpkin. Yeah, that mixes. Ooh. I'm Smell sorry, it. I blew that out. Sorry. No, don't whiff it. That stink, man. <laughs> that's horrible. That's a horrible candle, too. That was, that, don't ever buy that candle again. Oh, crap. Oh. I was still recording. I was